Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Name, Amen. Amen. Somebody just give a shout if you're happy. That's so good. Amen. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Say bye to the kiddos as they leave. We love y'all. Amazing. Amazing. Go ahead and open to uh, Luke chapter 10 and Matthew 28. So half of you, Luke chapter 10, half of you, Matthew 28. You have, have an argument with your neighbor and pick who's doing what. Luke chapter 10, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read uh, two verses as we get going this morning. You excited for the word of God? Luke chapter 10. Always a lottery. Did I remember to bookmark or not? It doesn't look like it. Luke chapter 10. Thank you for the courtesy laugh, whoever that was. All right. <clears throat> My electronic notes aren't working, so we'll see how this goes. Luke 10, Matthew 28. If you're in either one of those places, say, I'm in one of those places. Luke chapter 10. We're going to start reading verse 2. We're going to continue our series that we started last week called Five Rooms. We are talking about the, the five rooms for us that make up the house of God. Uh, it's not just one room. The house of God is just not this room. This is one of the rooms, but there's more pieces to the puzzle like we started talking about last week. We started talking about being people who are personally devoted to Jesus. That is room number one, uh, the room that you meet with Jesus in. That's a good one and an important part of us being the church that God's called us to be. So I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 10 and Matthew 28 as we get going here this morning. The reason I had your neighbor switch is so you can look off of each other as we switch those places real quick. Matthew, or Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus is saying, it says, And Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's a good verse. Now I'm going to turn to Matthew 28. Also Jesus, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. Anybody thankful for the word of God today? Jesus is speaking. So good. This morning, we're going to do part two of our series. The second room that we're going to talk about in our series is called Making Disciples. Making Disciples is an important part of being the people of God, the church that God builds that we've been talking about over the last few months. Like I said, last week, we started our series talking about personal devotion to Jesus. Was anybody here last week? A few people. Personal devotion to Jesus. And, and we talked about how uh, when, when it comes to Christian things, you know, doing the things of walking with God. Like, uh, it can be easy in our minds to compartmentalize, like, okay, there's God, and, and there's, there's Jesus, and like the good news, and we get saved, and that's really good over here. And then the rest of our life is sort of over here, and we should really do a bunch of really good church and Christian type things, and that's awesome. And then one day, we'll get to go to heaven where we get to stop doing all these things we should do, and we actually get to be with God. <laughs> And so there's all these things in our lives as, as church people, as Christians. And um, if, you're not, if you're not a Christian this morning, maybe you've seen this in some people around you. It's, there's a lot of language that we use of like, man, I know there's a lot of things I should do that are really good. Like we talked last week, spending time with Jesus was the thing we talked about last week. Yeah, that's really good. That's a good thing. You're not going to find many Christians that say, no, that's not a good idea. But you're going to find a lot of us that are like, yeah, I should probably do that more, you know. And uh, same thing with making disciples. There's going to be few Christians that you find that are like, no, this isn't for anybody else. It's mainly just for me, this whole gospel thing. Like, it's just kind of my thing, me and Jesus. He came to just save me and nobody else. So, like, you're not going to hear that a lot in church, you know. Even if you believe that, like, you know enough to not say that out loud because it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's also in the category of like, oh, that's a great thing, and I should probably do some more of that. But I've got, I've got some questions. Like, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I know I should. And so there's like this should category when it comes to walking with God. And we think that the things that are going to get us to do more of the should category is like discipline and equipping. If I try harder and if I know more, I will do more of these things. But 
that's just not true. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't talk about just being, if you just be more disciplined and if you'll have a pastor tell you more things that you should do and how you should do it, then you'll do more of the churchy things that are good for church people to do until you get to heaven. That's really not the message of the Bible. The reality is, is that like we've already even experienced this morning, there is nothing that replaces an encounter with this man, Jesus. We talked about how if we want to do the things that God has called us to do, the secret is not living some separate life of doing the things we should do until we get to heaven someday. It's actually we need to adjust some beliefs. And we talked about that Jesus didn't come to just give us a better relationship with God. Jesus came to give us his relationship with God. That's a belief that we've got to adjust. I've got to believe that I can actually know this man. I can walk with this God. I believe that. It's a belief problem that we have. It's not a discipline problem. And we don't have an equipping problem. So many times we have an affection problem. See, we, we behave according to what we believe. Not according to what we're disciplined for. Because you get disciplined to do something you believe is going to be helpful. <laughs> and if you don't believe it, the discipline works for like a little bit of time depending on your personality. <laughs> Sometimes, some, for some people, longer than others. It's not a discipline problem. It's not an equipping problem. We've got a, a belief system that we've got to build and an affection in our heart that we have to turn towards Jesus. And Jesus shows us this, that this gospel that he came to preach, it's not just that he came to forgive our sins, though that is part of it and that is very good news. It's very good news. That indeed, would, that indeed does give us a better relationship with God. But what Jesus modeled for us was a life of walking with God. And, and he came to give us that relationship where we walk with God, where we talk with God, where we do the things of God with God, where we get to participate with him in the things that he's doing. When we believe this, when we turn the affections of our heart towards him, we behave according to our beliefs and then we are motivated by the things that we love. And therein lies moving from the should to the I do it. And I'm a part of it. We've got a brand new baby in the house this morning. It's so good. We love the babies. And when it comes to making disciples, it's the same thing we talked about last week. If it stays in our should category because I'm a good Christian and that's what good Christians do, we're just going to feel guilty all the time and like not do it all that much and miss out on an invitation that Jesus is giving us when he says, you're not just here for like a better relationship with God that ends up at church on Sundays. I want to give you my relationship with God where you get to walk in the power of God. You get to see the kingdom of God come in and through your life. That's what this life is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. That's what this man Jesus is all about. When it stops at the part where we individually get to have our sins forgiven and go to heaven, we, we cost ourselves. We just miss so much of the invitation. There is more. There is more. Jesus' life, when we look at his life, he modeled an existence of not just a better relationship with God, but participation with God. You have been saved into a life of not just relationship with God, but participation with God. The reality is that these two things, relationship and participation, we oftentimes see them as separate things, but in fact, they are not separate at all. They actually enrich one another. Like it, with my wife, like what makes our relationship great is not just the date night. It's not just the time we get to spend alone, quiet when the kids are in bed or at the coffee shop or at the restaurant. Like that's, actually, that's part of it. But what enriches it is when we're like doing life too. You know, like, like what, we, what we talk about at dinner is like the things that we're doing in life. It, what, what enriches it is the participation together, the kids' situation, the family situation, the finances, the friends, the relationships, the growing in life, the decisions made. All, all of this participation together enhances the relationship. It's not like, oh, the, the, the dream scenario is just coffee shops all day. It's like, well, what are we going to talk about and do? Like, we got to do something, you know? And, and then when you have this relationship, it enriches the participation, and, you, and you, you're able to do more together and better together. And then when you do that together, the participation gets better. And when the participation gets better, the relationship gets better, which makes the participation better, which makes the relationship better. And they feed one another. And this is what God has invited you into. They enrich one another. They, they drive one another deeper. And this personal devotion we talked about last week is such an essential part. But like we've said, none of these rooms are the whole house. It's an essential piece of 
the puzzle. It's an essential room in the house, but it's not the only thing. This personal devotion to Jesus should drive your participation with Jesus. It should feed one another. It should feed one another. This is all an extension of how we started our time last week, talking about the foundation of this Christianity, this worldview, this following Jesus that we do is this foundational core that humanity was created by God for relationship with him and to participate with him. We're made for both. And the good news is Jesus restores us to both. And we don't have to look other places. Now, I knew this would happen, and I'm already starting to get the glazed-over looks of, like, yeah, yeah, totally. We talked about this last week. It's pretty basic stuff. I was, like, I was pumped for the first, like, three minutes when you were real loud, but now you're just loud. And, like, when are we going to get to, like, the deep stuff and, and like, the good things? And, and I understand that, but, but I need to harp on this because, like, this is it. Like we talked about last week, like, this shouldn't sound radical. <laughs> like, it probably doesn't sound new. This isn't a new idea that, like, whoa, Andrew, I never thought about that. It's like, no, it's right. I mean, it's right there. You know, we've all thought about it, but, oh, my bookmarks. That's why I don't do it is because they fall out anyways. Get that out of here. I don't want to see her face. I got to harp on this because it's the thing. It's the thing. This is the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. But there is this gospel of the world that we're living in that's also being preached to us. And the gospel of the world that we live in has impacted the way that we see the gospel of Jesus. And when the gospel of the world impacts the gospel of Jesus, it has significant implications on this whole thing about making disciples. The gospel of the world that we live in, the gospel of the world that's being preached to you is live your truth that makes you happy. Like, that's the thing. That's it. If that's the goal, the pinnacle, the most important thing in your life that you can pursue is your truth that makes you happy. And anybody that tries to like stifle that or like direct that or give input on that or or heaven forbid define that is like hateful and hates you and is bigoted and mean. That's the world that we're living in right now. And this says shape the lens through which we see the gospel of Jesus. We approach the gospel of Jesus with the lens of the gospel of the world. And so what that leads to is us, maybe subconsciously, maybe accidentally, just by osmosis because of the world we're living in, this gospel, the words we'll put to it is that Jesus is my truth that makes me happy. That's the the good news about Jesus. He's my truth and he makes me happy. And it sounds so good, but Jesus isn't your truth. He's the truth. And this gospel of find your truth, oh, Jesus is my truth, it diminishes the truth into my truth. I'm not that big of a deal. Who cares about my truth? I want the truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And happiness, happiness is great. I love being happy. And honestly, I think like there's a lot of times I am happy. That's awesome. And I'm all for it. And I was like really not happy, like, a few days last week, and that was not fun. Like, I was like, this is dumb. I want to be happy. I like being happy. Happiness is great. Happiness is great. But it's a deceptive metric for measuring if a truth is true. Happiness is great, but it's a deceptive metric for measuring if a truth is true. Because the definition of truth has become truth it's whatever makes me happy. <laughs> Truth is whatever makes me happy. Okay, well, if it's what makes you happy, what's happy? What, what does happy mean? What, what is this happiness that we're talking about? And this is what we talked about last week and how it impacts this view of the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus is my truth and makes me happy and he makes me happy when it's easy. He makes me happy when he makes things easy, when things are organic and they flow, and they work. Jesus makes me happy when it's easy. Jesus makes me happy when he makes things convenient, and mainly when he makes him convenient. Like he's there when I need him, but he doesn't bother me too much when I don't. I like Jesus, and he's my truth, and that makes me happy. When he's there when I need him, that makes me happy. It doesn't make me happy when he bothers me when I'm okay. And I'm happy when it feels good. Jesus is so true when it feels good. When it feels like I want it to feel when I want it to feel that way, 
in the way I want it to feel that way when I want to feel it, and it feels good, makes me really happy. So the way this gets lived out, and we can live this incredible gospel, this incredible good news of being restored to being the humanity that we were created for, to be in relationship with God and to participate with God. But when we filter that through the lens of the gospel of the world, this salvation that's so incredible becomes one-dimensional. It stops at my sins being forgiven because that makes me happy. That's good. This gospel of the world makes the gospel of Jesus one-dimensional. It makes salvation one-dimensional and it makes participation optional. Salvation is not one-dimensional, and participation is not optional. Optional in the sense that I can participate, but I don't have to. I can, praise the Lord, and I can when I want to, when it's easy, when it's convenient, when it feels good. I can participate in the things of God. What a gift. But I don't have to when it's not easy, when it's not convenient, when it doesn't feel good. And the truth is, you don't have to. God's not going to make you do it. I'm for sure not going to make you do it. You don't have to. You don't have to participate in the things of God. But you were made to. You were made to participate in the things of God. Jesus speaks to his followers in Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There is work to do, Jesus says. There is participation to partake in. The laborers, if you pray to God that he would send out laborers to his harvest, you, you, you have been made to do the work and there is work that is to be done. You have a job to do. And in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, meaning everybody, no matter where they're at, how they talk, how they act, just teach them to obey me. Go and do this. There, there is work to be done. It is for you to do. Not only is it out there, but now I am commissioning you to do this. You were made for it. The work is there, and you are sent. You are sent. You are made to. You don't have to, but you were made to. Being involved in what Jesus is doing in other people's lives and the part, is part of the purpose that you were created for. You are made to participate in what God is doing in other people's lives. And in the micro, that means that, or in the, in the, in the, in the kind of the macro picture, it means that you get to be a part of God's great plans and purposes. And it's like, woo, and some of us get super pumped by that. But it's like, what do I do with it? The micro is you are sitting next to somebody. You're in life group with somebody. You're at work with somebody. You're in family with somebody. You are friends with somebody. You are neighbors with somebody. And if the macro doesn't get you pumped, let the micro get you pumped. There's a face. There's a name. There's a person. And you are made to be involved in what God is doing in their life. You don't have to, but you were made for this. You don't have to, but you want to. You want to. And the reason I know you want to is because you were made to. And things that are made to do a certain thing generally want to do that thing. What's my passion? What's my calling? What's my purpose? That's all I say. I want something. And I'm doing stuff. And everybody said it was going to work, but it's not because I'm still here standing here saying I want something. I got everything, but I want something. You want to. You were made for this. You don't have to, but you want to. You want to. If this is the purpose you were made for, then you are wired for being a part of what God is doing in the people's lives around you. You don't have to, but you want to. You don't have to, but you can. You don't have to participate, but you can participate in the things God's doing. You can. Too often we hit the first two. Yeah, good. The Bible says I'm made for it. Okay, yes. I want to. Okay, the logic makes sense. If I'm made for it, then I probably want to. But the can part, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me like I know me. Jesus says you will be filled with power. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses. This is part of the gospel. Like that's not an amendment to the end. It's part of the whole picture. Like Jesus didn't die and raise from the grave and then when he was ascending saying like, hey, some of you are gonna be called into this great mission. Some of you are gonna get filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you get to do the cool stuff and everybody else gets to come to church and sit in chairs and watch you. You will, he said. 
I should have pulled up Acts 1.8. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to do it. And if I'll race you there in the back. Oh, John. Duh, I thought I was there. Yes. Nailed it. Gotcha. All right. Acts 1.5. For John baptized with water. Just Jesus talking. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, let's skip down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You can. You can. You can. You can. You can participate. I know you feel inadequate. I do too. Like now. Real time. But Jesus promised you will receive power. God, I don't have the power. He's like, exactly. But you will get it. Hallelujah. I can, you can. He took on the burden to the restore the relationship. He took on the burden to restore us to the participation. And he took on the burden to fill us with the power to do it. You can. You don't have to. You don't have to. I'm not going to make you. I'm not legalistic like that. But you can. You don't have to. But you need to. You don't have to. But you need to. You need to participate in the things of God. When you believe you are made to participate with what God is doing, it makes you want to. And when you know you can, you sure feel like you don't have to, but you sure feel like you need to. (laughs) Wait, I'm made for it. It's what I want and I can. (sighs) How am I going to not? I've got to do this. I need it like I need air. I need it like I need water. I need it like I need food. There's people waiting on you to play your part. There's somebody sitting next to you. There's somebody looking at you. There's somebody who's going to run into you. There's somebody. There's a neighborhood waiting. There's a workplace waiting. There's a family waiting. There's kids waiting. There's nations waiting on your participation. You don't have to, but you need to. Usually we start talking about this, and I'm good at the ha part. But how do we do it? Now what? How do we do it? Instead of me talking about how, I invited some friends to come talk to us about how to do it. Who's ready for a little discussion? So uh, we're going to do a a mighty stage transformation right before your eyes. It's going to be amazing. we got some shifting going on. I just invited, I thought, who are some of y'all's favorite people? And I just invited them to come on up. So, uh, whoa, look at those men. All right. Heads up. We're going to talk about how. Because now we're fired up, but how do we do it, right? How are we going to do this thing? How are we going to do this thing that we're called to? And usually when we talk about this, what gets us stuck is I don't know how, which means I need somebody to give me the play to run. I need somebody to give me the curriculum to go through. I need somebody to tell me the steps to take. But then when somebody starts telling you the steps to take, you have all kinds of reasons why you can't do that thing. Well, it's like, okay, we'll meet with somebody for lunch. I don't get lunches off. And it's like, okay. That's fair and that's real, but the, my point is the answer is not in the how. It's not an equipping problem. It's a belief problem. When I believe God wants to use me to impact other people's lives, when I believe that, why I do it, I'll figure out how. So we'll talk about it. And everybody's different. Personalities are different. Schedules are different. Life is different. Where's the friend? You guys, come on up. <laughs> Look at all my friends. Lots of people like me. <laughs> hey, Sarah, grab that mic. Yeah, go ahead. Boom. So we got Sarah. We got Crystal. We got Kathy. We got Brad. We got Chris Lange Bartles. So good. Here. I think that one's for me. Perfect. We clearly didn't practice this, so we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. Awesome. Y'all love these people. If you don't know them, you really should. So I just figured we'd have a little discussion about how. Because these people aren't perfect, but they have committed to a practice of trying to make disciples in their life. And looking out in their life and saying, okay, God, I I got something to do. And, you know, you ask 100 people what discipleship means, and you're going to get 100 different answers. So we brought up five. So we can get five different ones. And the point is not so you can do what they do, but you can learn from what they do. Because there's something for you to do. You don't have to. Anyways. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to have you all introduce yourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just go down the line here. Introduce okay. yourselves real quick, who you are, what you do, and uh, you're allowed to cheer for your favorite people in the world. <laughs> um, I'm Chris Lingy Bortles. Thank you. How about we save applause for the end for time's yeah, sake? Yeah, um, I'm a husband, a dad, and then Woo-hoo. I'm a project manager for a multifamily general contractor in that order. Excellent. <laughs> 
My name is Brad Huff, and um, I'm, I'm a local uh, business owner here in Indianapolis. Uh, we do home services and repairs, and I'm this lady's husband. I'm Kathy Huff, and he already announced one of my major roles being wife. Um, also a dog mom, a professional aunt, as I like to call it, and I'm also a consultant in the government space doing some lobbying. I'm Crystal Brown. I am a wife, a mom, and a co-owner of a salon. Come on. Oh, you're good. Sarah Best. Ooh, push that button. Yep. I'm Sarah Best. And married to Sam, and we help lead the families here. I'm also a lifestyle photographer for families, and most importantly, a mom. Come on. So good. Great people up here. We love them so much. So, what I want to start is uh, I want to start at because we talk about making disciples, but an important part of making disciples is uh, being a disciple because we're not trying to reproduce ourselves. We're trying to teach people how to follow Jesus. So, it's hard for me to teach somebody to follow Jesus when I'm not following Jesus. Um, so part of, being, part of making disciples is, is being a disciple, having people who are impacting your life and your walk with God, who are, your life is open to, your, who are investing into you. And I think that sometimes we think that, okay, there's like a perfect formula or structure that I just need to like hop into so that I can get into that river of like people investing in me. Uh, but it usually doesn't work out that way. So I just wanted each of them, they're going to go down the line again. Um, if you could just tell us like what, what's been, I know for all of you there's been lots of different examples of this, but uh, one impactful like relationship in your life that has impacted the way you've walked with Jesus. Absolutely. So for me, um, again, there's been a lot, but the, uh, the pivotal one for me was through high school. Um, I, I jumped on board with a missions organization and got to travel across the country to different countries. Um, and that really opened my eyes uh, to what one discipleship looked like or could look like. And then two, um, it really gave me an in-depth perspective on what the church um, could look like too. So it was it was really transformative for a kid from New Pal, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm actually here because of a discipleship uh, relationship, and uh, probably eight, seven, eight years ago, someone introduced me to a member of the church here, and it was a random introduction. It was a business introduction and the guy had flown in from Minneapolis said hey I met with another guy this afternoon you may want to spend some time with him so we met up and then um, I actually call him my spiritual father to this day and it has just been profoundly impactful um, it's shown me how to disciple it's shown me um, it's just shown me I think we we need a Paul to look up to a Timothy to leave it to but we also need a Barnabas we need friendships and sometimes um, all three of those intertwine into one but that's where, um, that's where it's really impacted me. So for, for me, even though he didn't know I was going to say this, and I'm not specifically trying to get Ronnie points, it's actually this guy. Um, mainly because I'm such a connector in business, and I know the importance of connecting one person to the next um, for various reasons. But um, Brad always ended up connecting me to a lot of different um, Christian apologetists, different podcasts, different people, including um, Linda, who right. I'm, I'm in her discipleship group. So for me, it was just that fact that it kind of connected me to so many um, people who had the right uh, thinkings, who were leading me truly to the truth um, and truly to the path that I needed to be on. Um, so my person was actually Karis. Um, I... I didn't realize that I was being discipled. She was like, <laughs> she was asking me to come over and hang out, but I noticed that the questions that she was asking, they were more in depth. They were personal. It's like, you know, what's going on in your life? What's going on, you know, with your walk with Jesus? And I realized like it wasn't just hanging out for the sake of hanging out. Um, so that was my first like, oh, like this is more than just a friendship. Um, and then that turned into meeting with a couple more girls with Karis at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but it just showed me that your walk with Jesus doesn't have to be alone. Like you can invite other people in. Um, and it taught me vulnerability with other women, just other people. So that was mine. Um, so I just want to say I love the culture of our church and how we have such a discipleship culture. So just being a part of Antioch, I get to 
witness anybody's like hunger for God and be discipled by that. And that's been huge for me, but specifically walking with Heather and just seeing her through each season, keep the main thing, the main thing, um, has just encouraged me to do the same thing in my life and then to help others do that. Um, so if you know Heather, she's just really good at keeping things really simple and I've really learned a lot from that. So, so good. I, I just, I think it's, it's true that like everybody who's got a walk with God, there's a person attached to it. Yeah. Like somebody showed up, <laughs> you know, like we could, I feel like, you know, all of us, you'd be like, yeah, there was one person or maybe a handful or whatever. And that's so important. And I think it's so exciting to hear that because you can be that person. Like, I get to be that person for people. I don't, I don't just have a person that was that person for me. I now get to turn and be that person for somebody else. It's so encouraging and so exciting. And last question on this being discipled thing, because I think it's, well, it is so connected to now turning and making disciples. Like, several of you talked about it. Like, oh, this person discipled me, and I kind of realized, oh, I can do this too. And I can start turning this. You started kind of reproducing what people were doing with you. But... I think there's um, things that we need to learn on how to be discipled. Like it takes initiative. I think sometimes we talk about having somebody invest in us. And so it's like you just sit by the phone waiting for a phone call. And like as long as nobody's calling, like I just can't. But hopefully somebody calls someday, you know, or somebody initiates with me. But every single one of you talked about taking the initiative. You got into a missions organization. You made the phone call to the guy who connected you with. You followed up with the people, Brad. You know, like there's initiation. There's taking initiative all along the way. And knowing each one of you in the lives that you live, like that's not easy. It's not convenient. Like it doesn't just flow in the lives that you've lived. So I want to kind of ask you guys in two different groups for two different reasons. So Brad and Kathy and Chris, you guys, I've watched you in the midst of businesses that have caused a lot of time away and travel and varying schedules and all these sort of things, you have consistently made choices that you needed to make to stay involved with the people of God. And so I'd love to hear just like quick takeaways from you as you guys have done that. Like what have, what have you learned about how to steward your own hunger in that way, you know, like and say, okay, I'm, my, it's not flowing and I can't show up for the lunch or the coffee or whatever, but I'm still going to be somebody that, that can like soak up the things of God around the people of God. Okay. Um, so I, I spent, I, I had a season where it was, it was a lot of travel, a lot of drive time. So the first thing, I think it's good to, to still talk about, you know, the personal devotion. So I had a lot of drive time. I, I made it a point to say like, I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to pour into other people while I'm mindlessly driving at 3am to Fort Wayne or wherever, you know what I mean? So, um, so, so that's kind of like the, the first part. The second part is I had to ask a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of faces in this room um, to, to get up before people are hitting snooze 12 times in the morning and say, hey, can you meet with me? Because I, I need that relationship. I have to have that. If I don't, if, if I don't have that in my construction realm, it's hard to find. Um, so it, it definitely wasn't easy. It definitely, you know, there's times I had to be away from my family even more to do that. But but it's always been worth it. Yeah, so I th there's a verse that says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out a matter. So I think just first, to be a good disciple, you got to have that hunger. That's so good. And you got to have that hunger. One of the um, interpretations I've heard of the Greek word for disciple is learner. Yeah. So Jesus is saying create learners, which is pretty difficult to do, right? I mean... <laughs> I, I jokingly say I was in that half of the class, class, which made the top half possible. So I wasn't a good student, had no interest in learning. And, um, but when God got a hold of me, I did. I got hungry, and uh, for those of you that know me, I'm an all-in guy. So it's kind of natural for me to go all-in, but I think it's really important to find, uh, to be a good disciple, you got to have hunger, and you got to want to go after it and go after it with everything. And, and honestly, I think for me, if we're talking about like the business life and business career, um, and I have had a lot of travel in mind, for me, I kind of looked back and I, I noticed that a lot of times I was making decisions that according to my business network and my business career and even my salary earnings did not make sense. Um, and most of the times when I made those decisions that didn't make sense, but I felt like I was being called to that and I was hearing directly from God, that's when it made the biggest impact in my life and for other people around me to have that courage. 
Um, it didn't make sense when I left at the height of my career to just go do something different and start my own business. Um, I, it left a lot of people really confused. It even left some people kind of with some hurt feelings. And, but for me, it made complete sense, and I was definitely hearing from God that I needed more time for my marriage, that I needed more time for my family relationships. Um, and then on top of that, it gave a lot of women courage around me in my business world to either go off on their own or um, start praying more, start hearing more from God, and to not feel guilty and, and be okay with it. Yeah, so good. So good. Just a commitment to getting it done. <laughs> That's like I hear you saying. You mentioned earlier, Kathy, you were just talking about like podcasts and all that stuff. And I think it's easy to be like, man, the right person hasn't called. And the attitude I see in the three of you is like, I'm going to make this the right situation. I'm going to make the car work. The, my car stereo is going to disciple me. Like, I wish I could get time. Whatever. It's just so encouraging. Uh, with uh, Crystal and Sarah, one thing that I've seen both of you navigate is uh, new babies in your life. And so many of us have kids in the house, and that just makes life complicated. And that's just that, light, that whole life stage of, like, as long as children are around, it's inconvenient to try to have friends and, like, go anywhere and do anything. Uh, but, but you've done it, you, and you've, you've made the choices to make in different seasons to figure that out. And would love to hear just what you've learned about on the fa just, just, the, just that family side of it, how to continue to be discipled. Yeah, so... I think that the actual like act of discipleship is really not complicated because you're not changing your season of life. Like I can't just get rid of my kids or find a babysitter every time that I need to meet up with someone. Yeah. So you just kind of make it work for that season. And so for us, or for me, it's finding other moms to be in discipleship with. Um, and so, like I said, it's not complicated, but it's never convenient yeah. because there's nap times and errands yes. to run. And like in our group, there's diapers being changed while we're praying and yeah. we're, my gosh, snacks. Like everyone's always needing a snack, but <laughs> you just, you make it work um, and you learn to prioritize because there's always a reason to cancel your group. And there's always a reason to just not show up or be really, really late. Um, but <laughs> it's just still keep showing up. Um, Linda actually told me one time, she said, if it's important, you'll make time for it. That's right. And so you just learn to prioritize your schedule and you will be surprised. Like you don't have to get groceries at the exact same time every Monday, but you can do it later in the day. And yeah. Um, and I said, there's, there's certain sacrifices that you have to make, but I've never left a discipleship group being like, I wish that I didn't go. I wish that I went to Costco. It's <laughs> good. It's good work. So along the same lines, um, I firmly believe discipleship has been such a catalyst for me and my own personal devotion to Jesus. Um, and so it's a high value for me um, to prioritize in my life, like she's saying. Um, and so, and just like, I need others to spur me on in my walk with God. And so um, it's like for my benefit. Um, and whenever we know the why, um, it's easy to figure out the how. And so um, we know that it's, that it's going to do those things like spur us on. We know that um, the fruit of walking with others. Um, and so figuring out the how is kind of always happening when you're a mom with littles in different seasons that, you know, you're like newborn stage or your kids are not napping in the morning and then they are, or they are, and then they're not. And, um, and so it's really like what Sam was saying about life group, it really is just showing up being there, and it's a statement to each other, like, I'm there for your life, um, even when it's not super productive or whatever, um, when you are going through a hard time, then you can text them, because it's not just about the meet time, it's about walking um, through life and then texting or calling or having someone being present in those harder places, um, and, you know, when you're okay, it's okay to just, like, you know, just be there for each other, and, and then, yeah, when you need it, you need it. Yeah, that's great. So there really is a, a skill in the sense of stewarding hunger when it comes to actually growing yourself in the things of God. And instead of making excuses for why it can't happen and why the right person hasn't called in the season of life and all these sort of things, I just love hearing from you guys how you've made the decision to do it. So when it turns to now looking out, you know, and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disciple other people. Um, Sarah, I, I emailed you guys a question, and, and I thought the, the answer you gave to this question was so uh, impactful in different directions. I just simply asked, what have you learned over the years about 
through making disciples? Because you've been doing this for several years as a part of your lifestyle with God. So uh, what, what have you learned through the years of making disciples? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing that I'm currently learning and just even this church planning journey um, of leading others um, is just that it's pushed me to own my own walk with Jesus. Um, because if I'm not doing that and leading from that place or being an example from that place, um, then, I mean, I really have nothing to offer. And I need fresh manna daily for myself. Um, and I'm not getting manna for the people I'm discipling. I'm just being a picture of, like, life in God and what they could search for themselves. And so it's like discipleship has constantly pointed me to, like, go get my own needs and heart sorted out in Jesus for myself. Um, and, yeah, so hopefully for the long haul of me just going to Jesus, like, that will be a catalyst for others and a picture for others to do the same. And that's a win, you know. If you can be an example of that, that's all this is about, you know. Um, and then practically every day with my kids, um, that is, like, I'm learning more and more as my oldest is getting older and he's, like, really copying everything that we do or he like really is impacted by my words I'm like realizing all of the little places in our days that I can disciple him yeah it's so good I, I love how you are just talking about living this life where you, you just see your life as an opportunity you're not waiting for some outside opportunity I think you do a great job of looking around to your kids or to whoever's in your life and be like well Here's the opportunity right here. And I think that's such a huge part of making disciples is adjusting our own lens to say, like, I have opportunities. I don't need to wait for something else. And I think um, I want to ask uh, Crystal and Brad, I think you guys, as I have been friends with y'all, I just see you do such a good job of having your eyes open for opportunities in just the normal life that you live in your workplaces or all these sort of different things. So what have you learned about just how to keep your eyes open and then like even how to act on opportunities that you see in your life? Um, so I think it's amazing when you are going into your workplace, if you pray before, like, Lord, give me eyes to see people or put those opportunities in front of me, people are flinging the door wide open to have conversation. But then it's that praying for, God, give me the boldness to actually yes. speak into it. That's a whole separate prayer. Um, so <laughs> I think for me, like, I always had this fear of sounding crazy. Um, so with my clients, it's a pretty liberal atmosphere. Like people aren't really talking about Jesus in a salon. Um, so I think that my fear of coming off crazy or being too much um, has held me back in the past. But I've learned that the more that you just like take that step and just do it, it gets a lot easier. Um, and then like people trust you. They know your intentions are good. So they're gonna be open to prayer. Um, sorry, I wrote notes so I didn't ramble. Um, yeah, and like even if it doesn't land with them, because there have been so many times that I have missed the mark and made it very uncomfortable for people. But you, <laughs> you're depositing these little like bits of gold yes, in their life, so and you like it's not your responsibility to always water it. You're just there to plant it. Um, but something too is like the follow up. Like if you are planting that seed, like people are not used to you texting and checking up on them. Yeah. So I found like, you know, if I pray for someone at work to text them a couple of days later and follow up and it, it just creates this relationship, opens the door for more conversation. Um, and people tell me, you know, they sit in my chair, they're like, this is the highlight of my month that I get to come and do this. And I'm like, it's more than just hair. Like it's, you know, conversation, it's their, their outlet for this. So the door is always open. You just have to take that step. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I, I forced a lot of this and, you know, it was maybe cramming this stuff down and, and saying, we're going to do this. And as I've matured in, in my walk and I've learned um, to come, just come into agreement with, with what Jesus is already doing and, and seeing those things and then coming into agreement with it and then walking alongside it. And I've just, having somebody, the more I've done it, the more I've gotten to where people now come to me. And so now you're, the, the learners are seeking you. And I think that's just, that comes with time. And, yeah. and the more you do it, the more opportunities you have. But I think the biggest thing is just coming into agreement with what Christ is already, already doing and then speaking into that. That's so good. That's so good. And I think what you guys are saying, like, sounds so exciting. But I love what you said, Crystal. Like, you've missed the mark. Yeah. And, Brad, you said it takes time. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to be like, all right, I'm going to give this one big shot. And, like, 
because they did and it worked every time. You know what I mean? But there is such a reality of like, I'm just going to make this my lifestyle. And like, well, how do you know what Jesus is doing? You try to learn, you know, and you ask a lot of questions. Yeah, and to add on that too, it's not like she said she's missed the mark. I, I've missed a bunch too. A lot of people, it's not this formal like, hey, man, we're going to disciple. Yes. It's not that. That's not the conversation. You just, you're just doing it and you're doing it naturally and it's flowing. But man, some of the people I've walked with, They've completely walked away from God. They like, and yes. you know, there's a part of you that feels like a failure. So I don't think they're all successes. I think you learn as you do it, and, and you go with from there. No, it's so good. And I think what you're hitting on is so true. That part of making disciples, like I'm, I'm not following Jesus for this person, or like I'm not staking anything on them doing it. That so I'm able to give it freely, just because like I'm called to just throw it out there, and then you can do what you want. And there's hard parts about about that and all that stuff, but. Um, Anyways, there's lots more we could say on that. Uh, but I want to hit on something, Kathy, with you specifically. I think that something that you are so good at doing is having your eyes open for opportunities in your family. And whether it's been parents or siblings or nieces or whatever, like you're great at that. And I think that's terrifying for like most of us to think about. Like, oh, wow, like already, okay, my family, now we're going to talk about this. Just, so what have you learned about how to have your eyes open in the midst of the family that God has you in? Well, I come from a big Catholic family, um, and some are really, really, really strong Catholics. <laughs> um, still like Mass in Latin. So there was a big divide that kind of got opened up, I think, between my family and I when um, I kind of chose to marry this guy, and we didn't exactly get married in the Catholic Church. And, of course, then we joined Antioch. Um, and now I see myself as a Christ follower, and, I, and I, I see that I had a Catholic upbringing, but now I'm a Christ follower, so I look at my um, nieces and nephews, which we have 10 between both sides of our family, and what I started seeing is that they were starting to grow up and not mature in their relationship with the Lord and start slowly going astray in a way that I looked at I did. Um, I can't really say that, you know, my 20s were this horrific mess and um, I just went so far astray. It was more the fact that I did some horrible things and I did some good things and I was okay, you know, with my career. But there was really no real purpose. There was definitely no relationship with the Lord. Um, there was no real relationship at all there, really, quite frankly, compared to where there is now. So for me, it's the fact that um, it is a little bit of a struggle sometimes going back into my family. And But what I've noticed is the more I just kind of openly talk about what I'm up to and what's going on, and I put it on social so they can react or not react, <laughs> um, it just opens up the door to conversation. And then there have been moments where now I've finally, in the last couple years, been doing very specific things, um, specifically saying, let's get together and let's talk about these things um, and let's have a real discussion about it, and which even opened up the door to going to a Bible study with my sister and her two daughters, who I really feel like one is somewhat going astray, but who knew that I'd end up in this Bible study and... And then all of a sudden, I'm meeting people at the Bible study that go here to Antioch. <laughs> so I'm like, what are the odds? <laughs> so, for, yeah, for me, it was just really neat to kind of feel like, oh, finally, I'm getting to where I can have some of those more intentional conversations um, and really seeing kind of the fruit of all of that. That's so good. I, I think that with family, it's going to be so easy to check out of those relationships. And that's just what I see you doing and hear you talking about is you've, you've chosen not to check out. And, uh, and build relationship past a label, whatever the labels are. Like, it's not a, it's not a Catholic thing versus, the th like, we all have labels with our families, right? Like, somebody's the crazy one, or they believe this, or we had that, you know what I'm saying? Like, those, when it comes to family, the labels, the history, the complexities, it's easier to just be like, I'm going to reach the rest of the world. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know about y'all. But it's just so powerful that you've consistently stuck, and when, when, when what you grew up with or what people are used to in your family from you starts to change, that brings up so many complications, right? People take it really personal. What are you saying about us? What do you say? You know, it gets hard, but what you've done is you've just stuck the relational side in over time. And I love what you said. It's like, it wasn't easy at first. And how long have you guys been married now? 
Yeah. So, okay, so like 11 years, it's been 11 years of continuing the relationship building and one thing at a time to just go past the different things. I think that that's so, uh, so powerful. And I don't know if you've ever uh, tried that. I mean, my family's crazy, but no, <laughs> I'm kidding. They're amazing. But it's hard to go deep in family, right? When you do, it's amazing, but it's hard, right? Okay, we have uh, run out of time, so I want to do one. La- I want to do one last thing, and we're, we're, we won't do a worship song at the end. Sorry, team, and everybody. Yay! Everybody sing, praise the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to do before we leave is uh, the last question I was going to ask was just what has this done for your own walk with God? Uh, and we don't have time for everybody to answer, but I can tell everybody when I asked them that question, every single one of them said like some version of, I think I've learned more about Jesus than I've showed anybody about Jesus. And I think that it's so true and we have to hit on the fact that this isn't just like a pouring out thing or getting to a point where you're the guru and you know everything and you gotta give it to everybody else. Like the system is rigged in the sense that God is saying, go make disciples because it'll help you be a disciple. <laughs> you need to know me. You're not doing this because you know me perfectly. You're doing it because you need to grow. And People will walk away and people will say this and that, but you are taking steps forward. And it's so easy to look at like, I got to go make disciples. I got to get to this platform and then I can make it and then I can do this thing happen. But if you just can be one step in step with people, you don't even have to be ahead of anybody. Just like, let's read the Bible and talk about Jesus. You know, if you can do that, God will do great, great things. And you guys have lived that life. So uh, to close, what I want to do is we're going to do this one at a time. And I think it's going to be like an interesting little experiment here. So, okay, so this is Chris. His wife's Emily. Where, go, go, Emily. Emily in the back. She plays the keys and sings, and she's great at it. Didn't know if you knew that. But, okay, so if you have, like, relation, in relationship, if relationship with Chris or Emily has impacted your walk with Jesus, I want you to stand up. Okay, okay. We can't go crazy. We can't go crazy. If your relationship, like relationship with one of these people has impacted the way you walk with Jesus, that's now standing up, stand up. That's great. Awesome. Now, of those people standing up, if your relationship with somebody who's standing has impacted the way you follow Jesus, go ahead and stand up. Amazing. How cool is that? All right, go ahead and sit down. If your relationship with Brad and Kathy Huff has impacted the way you follow Jesus, stand up. I'm going to stand up for that one. Now, if, you sta- if you've been impacted by one of these people standing up, go ahead and stand up. And now one of those people. Amazing. All right, sit down. Josh and Crystal Brown, if relationship has impacted the way you follow Jesus. Okay, now these people, and these people, and last, Sam and Sarah Best. Everybody stand up. That's amazing. They haven't all gotten lunch over the course of years with all of these people. It was the one faithful decision at a time, and it's so incredible. And I wanted to end with that because you can do this. You can do this. You might think, I, got, I, can do, I can just do one person. But what happens when you take that a few generations down the road? What happens when that one person does one, does one, does one? And you never thought you could do four, but four happens, even though you just got with the one. I just want us to take that this is what God is asking of you. Not even really asking of you. It's the invitation God's giving you. Saying, I've put you where you are, where you are now, on purpose. I've filled you with the Holy Spirit so you have the power. I've restored you to the relationship and the participation that you were made for. Will you just do the next one thing? That's what it takes to make disciples. Each one of us saying, I'm going to do my next one thing. And when we do, whole rooms stand up and say, I know Jesus because you took that step. You can do it. It's what you're made for. You want to. You can. And you need to. There's rooms there's rooms on the other side. Yeah. Let's stand up and pray, and let's be done with church for today. Amen? Amen? Jesus, we love you so much, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, fill us with power. We do ask, God, that you would move us towards belief and love for you. We thank you for what you've done in this room. We thank you for what you're doing outside this room, and we thank you for the rooms to come on the other side of our obedience. We believe. Help us, God. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. We're asking for every friend represented in this classroom or this room, every classroom represented, every coworker, every neighborhood, every customer, every client, every interaction happening this week. Lord, I thank you that it's a setup in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen, amen. So glad you spent your Sunday morning here.